Welcome or welcome back. I'm Matt Only. This is Beers with Talos. Mitch is on a voice budget today. Let's get started. <laughs> Woo! This is Beers with Talos. Threats, beers, and You forgot to give the episode the number of date, Matt. It's uh, episode 127, Mitch thinks. And it's uh, the 11th of October, 2022. That's good enough. 7 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, it's 10.07 uh, a.m. And, and I'm joined today by <laughs> Lorene and Matt, as usual. Thank you for the pinch hit there. <laughs> as you can tell, my, my voice is not 100% today. Uh, so I am on a voice budget. I like the way of putting that. We're going to get things started today the same way we usually do. Uh, however, Lorene, you have some errata and addendums you want to drop uh, as part of your going around the horn uh, this morning. So let's go ahead and start with you today. Yeah, so in the first episode that I was in, uh, I mentioned that Windows 8 got a lot harder for remote kernel bugs over Windows 7. And the only thing that I could recall as being the problem was the memory protections that they added to the uh, non-page pool. Uh, But really, the thing that kicks that off, making it important, is the fact that there's KASLR which a lot of people talked shit about saying, oh, it's not going to do anything. But in fact, it makes remotes an enormous pain in the ass. So um, that was the difference between Windows 7, Windows 8 uh, remote feasibility. And I had forgot to mention KSLR, so now I've mentioned it. Uh, And then uh, the other thing that we wanted to discuss is that somebody had sent an email in wondering how much old VXWorks is still out there. And um, the answer is, I think probably no one actually knows, but uh, because I'd say, I think 10 years ago, uh, Wind River replaced their RTOS VXWorks that was just this monolithic thing with Linux. And so now you'll still see VXWorks around, but it's not VXWorks anymore, it's just Linux. Man, if you just um, the punch old- VXWorks into Shodan, you come up with like 884,000 results. I don't know which version yeah. of VXWorks that is, but <laughs> the answer is probably lots. And I, I would say the place that I saw it the most is in like old modems and old satellite gear. And uh, the real problem with it is that, uh, as, as Matt noted, Googling a little earlier, that they're not going to fix any of the bugs in it, but it doesn't matter so much because it's very hard to sell an exploit in old VXWorks because you have to have developed with their dev kit, your own module that does what your shell code is supposed to do because you don't really have any of the facilities that you would get in a normal operating system. It's not like I could be like, give you a shell. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? So I have to develop actual rootkit stuff for you for an operating system, which is no longer used by anybody in real time. So not, not easy to do. It's generally easier to hit something else, even though you can just knock these down or you can connect to it with serial and read and write any bytes you like or shit like that. So it's in this weird position of both being prevalent and obscure. Uh, I mean, I, I would say it's prevalent in very specific circles, uh, but also too obscure to be worth the time and effort. Fair enough. Man, we're going to have to have an episode about how important security through obscurity is. 
<laughs> All security is secure. Security is security. Literally, was having this thought. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, I mean, that, that was uh, yeah. We were we were talking before we got going today about like the the Russian attacks on airport websites, right? And I was thinking when that happened, like, why would you not just go after like you know something that actually causes real confusion and delay, like the ATX system or something like that? And then it dawned on me. I think that's pretty much basically built in Fortran. And they didn't have anybody on the inside to put the punch cards out of order or something. I don't know how they like, you know, why they can't attack the ATX system. I think I think you misunderstand the intents between the behind those attacks. Like that was a publicity hit, and they were like, "Oh, very what's much. Super. What's super easy? Super easy. <laughs> yeah. It was it was reverse hacktivism. Reverse hacktivism is you get a you know you get an idea for what you're offended about after you find uh, a website that <laughs> has a bug in it that you website. can hit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm really offended wow. by this website's weaknesses. I was having a con- I was like, ha- thinking, I was sitting in the coffee line the other day thinking about all the times that I become angry after I've been told by the internet what I need to be angry about. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a super healthy way to go through life. <laughs> That's why I got off the internet. Well, <laughs> the internet's a shit place. Let me tell you how prevalent that thinking actually is, though. But it makes you feel bad all the time. It's unfortunate. Matt, anything from you today? I wanted to apologize for just being a shit person to be introduced to. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I went to I went to a, um, a customer summit last week in Chicago, and there was one of the one of the customers there was a big Beers with Talos fan, and you two probably do know this. If I'm not in like a perfectly comfortable place, I don't talk a lot. Like I just. It is, I am not good at small talk. If I don't know you, I don't know, I don't possess the social skills to to delicately knit a bridge between us so that we can have an extended conversation. And so to the point where I was sitting at dinner with this guy after he had come up and said, that, hey, I, I enjoy the show. And I was like, you know, thanks. You know, that's awesome. And, you know, hopefully you, the what I had said earlier in, the, in my talk was useful and we talked a little bit. But we're at, at dinner together and he says something like, hey, where are you based? And I'm like, oh, I'm in I'm in Columbia. It's, you know, about 20, 30 minutes north of D.C. And then that was it. Like and then in my brain the whole time, I'm like, why didn't you just ask him where he was based? Like, that's the normal human thing to do. Then you can have a back and forth. But no, you just sat there. And then the longer you sat there thinking about how you didn't say, hey, where you were based, makes whenever you do finally say, hey, where are you based? Really weird. And eventually I just <laughs> never said anything. And I just sat there for like five minutes. And I just... In reality, seven seconds had passed. <laughs> there are situations where I am just not... <laughs> A charismatic person at all. <laughs> See, I, I have a similar problem to this, but the problem is that I just do not give a shit where people are based. Half of the time, people ask me like a small talk question. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you that back because I do not give a fuck. <laughs> that information that's interesting to me. I don't want to have a back and forth about useless things. If you want to talk to me about exploits, I'll talk to you all night. If you want to talk to me about music, I'll talk to you all night. If you want to talk to me about the weather, I will tell you it's cold here, and then we will sit in silence. <laughs> So have something interesting or let's not even pretend that we like should be forced to do this, this, this small talk thing. That makes sense. Today we wanted to talk about something that I tweeted out, uh, 
last week, Matt, you retweeted it. Uh, Lorene, you did not, obviously, um, because that would involve being on Twitter. But we asked, what is a script kitty? And, and I think what may be more interesting to answer is what is not a script kitty? With the advent of exploit kits and ransomware as a service and all the other things, you, keep, you, you see this term uh, script kitty bandied about a lot. So we wanted to talk about what that is and what that isn't today. Uh, we asked a few of our followers uh, and got some responses back. Here, I, I, I'm saving one for last because it's kind of funny. But um, actually, Pierre from our IR team was one of the first ones to respond. And Pierre defines a script kitty as someone who uses a script to accomplish a task that they couldn't do on their own without the script. The wrong usage would be anyone running a tool. So literally everyone's a script kitty. Whomst among us has not run a script to perform some action that they did not write themselves? Well, he says they could not do without the script. Yep, that was still. Okay. Uh, and, and one of our favorites actually responded to this as well. Uh, heavy metal IT guy, good old Mac Hertz. Yep, yep. Uh, anyone who runs a pre-written script without any knowledge of the language, structure, or intended consequences, therefore is unable to troubleshoot or remediate said script issues. Yeah, that's a bad place to be. <laughs> that's only 20-year-olds or people <laughs> way out of their depth, right? Like, there is no one who is a professional who's never heard of Python, who can't write Hello World in it and is still, like, kicking those scripts out everywhere. I definitely remember downloading a Python script very early in my career. This this was probably before I actually, this is why I was still primarily in network engineering, but I downloaded a Python script. And somehow during the either the uploaded process or the download process, all the white spacing had been removed. Oh, God. <laughs> which basically makes it useless but man i spent hours i'm like i can i can probably figure out how to get this thing back <laughs> to where it needs to be and what but was your no. level of experience with python at the time the, none yeah none yeah so none. the white space in python is definitely that, where you want to start right like yeah <laughs> i've written pearl scripts where they worked just fine and then eventually an invisible character was added somewhere in the file that uh, Diff couldn't see, but totally screwed up Pearl. Oh, that's not frustrating at all. No, not at all. So, so I, I would not claim that someone's a script kitty if they couldn't figure out the spacing on a Python script that someone else wrote that they downloaded that was totally fucked. There has yeah. to be a tool just for removing invisible characters, doesn't there? I mean, don't you think that would be, that would be something yeah, there that is, be useful, there super is, useful. There is, there's a command sequence that removes like all, all non-printable characters that's above 128 you know, on the ASCII table. Uh, sometimes it's useful. Back in, back in 1996. Yeah. Hard, hard to sort thinking, this stuff out. been a long time ago. <laughs> One of the other uh, responses we got was from uh, Palmer Sample. Ah, from the BBS days, it was someone that would download and use, uh, use some virus, Trojan, or exploit and use it without any understanding. Sort of a hacker wannabe with little to no skill. I think that's definitely the way that I've heard it used most often. Um, I, I brought up Twitter and threw Script Kitty into the search bar. And so actually Nicole Peroth, um, uh, a reporter and author, 
was responding to reports of the attack that we were talking about earlier about against the airports. Um, and she just said low level script kitty stuff was her. Was Could her, she do it? Uh, I doubt it. Oh, I doubt it. And she doesn't strike me as particularly technical. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time with her. I have talked to her. Um, it's, I think, I think, I think the, uh, but, but the funny thing about that, as I look at this is it's dismissive on its face, but no one comes back and says, Hey, there's like seven airports that are down because someone decided just to run a script. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, that, and 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 that and that overstates the impact of this particular event. When I say seven airports that are down, like seven websites impacted. Um, I think it was literally a, a straight DDoS. Yeah, uh, there are several problems from my view with the term script kitty. One, all of the definitions for it are not useful because everybody is a script kitty by any of those definitions, period, right? Like there is no situation, like I'm a car script kitty. I get in my car, I turn the thing on. I can't build a car. I'm a car script kitty, right? Like, and so uh, what I really think it is expressing is this frustration, like, ugh, I got beat by garbage. That's the frustration, mm. right? Uh, and I feel like all of this is hard. Being a script kitty, really hard. It is a skill. Being a defender, really hard. It is a skill. And they beat each other back, you know, back and forth. And neither of them are not skilled at what they're doing if they're winning, right? So it's like this weird, uh, I don't know, a dismissal of the skill involved in offense, well, I think that there's, um, from our discussions here, I think there's been a specialization in roles. Um, you yeah, know, like, yeah. you know, back in, back in the day, there was, you know, the, in the, in the lone hacker, lone attacker model, like somebody had to do all steps in the attack chain, right? They had to do all these things themselves. They had to figure out access. They had to find a way in. They had to compromise the system. They had to have an exploit. You know, they had to have a payload at the end of all this and run that payload and have a, so like a person who could do all that is obviously a very talented individual. The fact is specialization of labor affects all industries, not the least of all this one. So, you know, I don't think it's fair to necessarily say that somebody who is, let's say, an access broker uh, to refer to that person as a script kitty because they're not the one really their job is is getting entry. That's all they really do. And that's where they affect the you know, the, the the thing here. Um and so I, I, I don't I, I hear what you're saying of that term being used too frequently or too dismissively of somebody just say, oh, I got I got beat by trash or like they are not good. They shouldn't have beat me. But the fact is they did because defense is really damn hard. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, people who are writing exploits are not breaking into networks because they're busy writing exploits. That's their specialization. It's a different skill than breaking right. into networks or maintaining your presence in a network or exfilling data from a network. Like I, I suck at all that stuff. I would be the worst script kitty in the world, but I can hit a remote on a windows machine myself. So I think, I think there was a time where script kitty was a more useful concept 
and and I'm really stretching the 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 useful word here, but certainly there was a time before, right at the beginning of the Metasploit era, or maybe a little before, where everything now is is custom baked for almost everybody, right? The the expertise, like very few. Very few red teamers are writing exploits. Um, they are largely running frameworks. Um, there are definitely some, um, and there's usually one or two in every red in every successful red teaming firm. Um, but like like the vast majority of people, especially early in their career, are are really good with Metasploit or or the equivalent, you know, Canvas or Core or whatever you're using. Um, and then the subsequent maintenance of the backends for supporting Cobalt Strike or, or whatever else framework you're using there. Very few people are, are running um, custom stuff. There, there are people out there that are doing it, but like the vast portion of this industry is run off of other people's expertise. Uh, and that goes not just for security, but right. Um, that's all development like in general, right? Like I was going to—that's exactly what I was going to say. Like all of development mainly <laughs> runs off of SourceForge, and <laughs> or or whatever the equivalent is, GitLab, GitHub, GitLabs. Like like nobody's out there standing alone, um, um, currently. Uh, it's just, it's, 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 a uh, it's kind of a weak sort of, and, and kind of looking at the search results for script kitty, it really is just a pejorative term for either someone who's, who's just trying, you know, just getting started. Um, so, um, uh, Dork Phoenix kind of had, had one that popped up where she had posted a video of a friend of her working on something and someone said it was just script kitty stuff, which is just gatekeeping term at this point. Is that not just and, like and a gatekeeping dog whistle? It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. It's just a, you know, it's a shitty approach to things. Um, I don't see it. I don't, I, I can't think of a situation where you would use the term where it's, it's a useful, it's a situation helping term, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, we did get one more answer guys. Okay. Yeah. From Nigel. <laughs> All right. From our old buddy Nigel. What's our boy got? So I said, what is a script kitty and what is not a script kitty? I got a number one and number two answer to each question. Uh, but he did reply a zeme to both. Ooh. So <laughs> there was that. I mean, I, I feel like we, maybe we should allow a zeme a chance uh, next time to, to rebut However, he didn't respond on Twitter. So I guess Azim is apparently uh, shedding her skid, right? Like he is both, he both is and is not a script kitty. Like uh, Schrodinger's script kitty. At the same time. It reminds me of like uh, back in the day at arcades and people would play Street Fighter 2. And if you threw them a bunch of times, they would want to fight you because you were cheap. Yep. That's what script kitty feels like. Like, yeah. oh, sorry, you beat me with some shit I don't understand. Yeah. And so you're I'm gonna the idiot. I'm going to bonk a your ass all over this bitch, and you're going to like it. Like, that's just. Yeah. The... yeah. You cheap bastard. And you don't know do how to do that little game, thunderball even rolly you did thing, kick my and ass. that's really going to piss you off. <laughs> <That's>... Yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah, Blanca like... or whatever, whatever yeah. the guy's name is. <laughs> Jesus. Or, like, how many, how many defenders listening right now could write the endpoint solution they rely on? Hmm. Raise your hand. Right? Like, oh, you're running some stuff you can't write yourself. Okay, you're a script kitty now, apparently. Right? 
Everybody yeah. is a script kitty on something. So that's a, a you build your maybe, house, you live in a house. User <laughs> instead of originator of software. Is that is that what they mean by this? That's what it seems like, right? Like the the implication is that you are using a tool that you yourself couldn't write. Uh, that's all of humanity all the time, right? And then there's like this sour grapes frustration that goes with it. A script that the person using the term feels you should have been able to write or should write to use it. But that just goes right back to being kind of gatekeeper-y, right? It's just, it's not how efficiency works, right? Yeah. Um, that wasn't a thing that was possible years ago. So maybe that is part of the difference in those, in that terminology. Like we said, the industry, all of development has shifted toward this, uh, let's grab the code, chunks of code that do the things that we need from where they already exist, put it all together and make <laughs> this thing quick, easy and cheap instead of, you know, long, I expensive mean, where, and hard. Where would we be without like Mark Rosinovich? Right? Like, you just you don't have Sysmon, you don't have, you know, these these extraordinary texts kind of laying out the insides of Windows for people who need to understand them. I just you <laughs> don't ever be the person who is shitting on someone who's trying, I guess, is what what we're saying is like, don't don't be the guy who's watching someone struggle with a new concept or technology and is willing to go out there and, and take a swing at it. And whether they fail or whether they're successful don't just be like shitty and then especially don't get beat by someone and then like scoff at them and be like they're just a script kitty because then you're the idiot you got beat by a script kitty which again (laughs) i don't know what to tell you my question is why would you not why would you not be a script kitty right like why are you going to do something the hard way when an easier path exists you know i think that's actually the right question because um i think it goes back to that um that mythological ethos of the hacker where like you need to understand what you're doing, man. And you, you need to read, you know, smashing the stack for fun and profit. And you need to go through and can't just run these tools. You have to understand what you're doing to be a hacker. And (laughs) I agree with that. But then at that level, the only people who are allowed to call anyone a script Katie are people who have done those things. So either you like you're on that path and so your own knowledge is the thing that allows you to look down on someone else's knowledge or you're not and it's just sour grapes. You're just pissed off. You got beat, you know, I think it's an interesting thing. Like, I mean, because there's 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 no reason to reinvent the wheel every time. Like, I mean, I mean, pull out a really old example. Like the first computer I remember having was a uh, Commodore VIC-20. Oh and, yeah, I had a Vic twenty. Still yeah. have one in the basement. Yeah, those things were cool, man. It was a cool little thing. Like that was the first thing that I like. Hello worlded and like made my name scroll across the screen. Like it was cool shit. But every time you wanted to do that, you had to write your shit in basic again because there really wasn't like permanent memory built into this in a meaningful way like there is today, right? Someone did not have the cassette. I yeah. did not. My <laughs> parents would not get me that cassette. The, uh, so like every time I wanted to do this, I had to write all like, you know, 110 lines of code again or like 20 lines of code again, whatever it was that I wanted to do. Uh, so why would I not get the cassette and just store that code or like give that code to a friend who wanted to do the same thing so he could go in and like alter it to his usage or to his needs? Every project on earth pulls three GitHub 
repositories down, right? Or how many libraries are you using? Or, right. The whole world runs on GitHub. I'm pretty much convinced of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. I think... Like if if you like you don't want to be you don't want to approach things with 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 the mentality that I don't need to understand what's happening as long as the tool works for me in this industry. Um, <clears throat> that's not true for all places, um, but I think I, I, like if you're new, like if you're if you're part of our audience that is early in their career, um, you. Like, like looking at Sysmon, for example, um, the nice thing about Sysmon is, is it sort of gives you one layer of abstraction from complexity, right? Because it starts exposing you to the internals of Windows. Um, and then it's on you to like understand what Sysmon is telling you um, beyond just this is good or bad, right? And then use the tools that, are, that, you're, that, you're, that you're leveraging um, as pathways to further understanding. I think the 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 thing that you don't want, like, because I was thinking about about sort of how I talk to my kids. Like, you don't want to just hand some. It's the whole fish thing, right? You don't want to just hand someone a tool and be like, "This fixes your problem." You want to be able to use that tool as a framework for further understanding, because. Ultimately, you always need to be building intellectual capital in security uh, because it's the only way you keep up with what's happening. I think that's 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 the thing that I would I would say from from a from like a counterpoint is you kind of don't want to be like a like a classic script kitty from a career perspective. Um, you don't want to be. It's okay to rely on those tools, but you need to understand those tools at a very high level and can kind of dig into them. Like everybody picks up a tool for the first time at some point, right? Um, so, so don't don't be the, but don't be the person that that kind of shits on someone who's who's making honest efforts to learn, because you're, then you're just a shit person, and we have enough of those. You should look for the the lack of effort in your own eye before you try to take the lack of effort out of your brother's eye. Well, and I'm thinking now about about some of the times that you caught me playing with different things. And the way I remember them is always you were always enthusiastic for me. You're like, it was always like, oh, cool. You're looking at this. You know, what do you show me what you're doing? What have you learned? Like, that's the way to approach it. Right. Someone like if, if you catch someone and they've got like Metasploit for the first time on their computer, like, oh, hey, cool. What are you working on? You know, which pieces are, of functionality are you looking at? Like, you know, how how are you approaching this? What's your what's your end goal? How far have you gotten? Um, be be that that kind of because they're trying. They're, they're obviously on a, on a path to learn something. Be excited for them. Inject some energy into it because that's a in this industry. It can be so hard to learn some of this shit like it is. That some of it comes easy, like even even if you are an extraordinarily talented technical talent, there are going to be things in this industry that come hard to you. It can be the soft skills. It can be like some aspects of technology that you're not interested in, but you still need to know. Always give people a little a little kind of oomph to, to kind of get over the hump that they're working on. The, 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 the threat landscape, not even the threat landscape, like just computing macro term has become so complex over the last 
50 years, like over its lifetime, you know, as a mainstream uh, science and technology, that uh, specialization has absolutely become required. Not everybody is going to be able to ever be that full stack attacker, you know, that may have existed in the 70s or 80s, right? Yeah, because previously, when we were younger, you would learn C, you would learn assembly, you would learn data structures and algorithms, you would learn networking, and now you learn Databricks. And Databricks is a company, right? Yeah. How long is Databricks going to be around? You're not learning base technology anymore. You're learning like five levels up this pyramid, and everybody's got to be specialized because not everybody can know every company's garbage. I have no idea what a Kubernetes is. I, just, <laughs> I was just about to say, there are no people who are, you know, Kubernetes and Databricks and this and that experts, right? You're just one. You're yeah. one. Yeah. The, the, the toys that kids learn on these days, like Arduinos and RPIs and things like that, that like even like kids interested in technology are learning on, you're going and you're taking like little bits that you find like on whatever GitHub project taking little bits of that and remixing them to make your own stuff. Like there isn't, there still isn't that like way getting down to writing the actual, I mean, you can, but I mean, there isn't that push or that need to get down and write that base level code that you used to have to write. Like it's already done for you. You just have to know how to mix it together and put it together. Well, properly. let me tell you as somebody who knows how to write the low level code, there's nothing more useless in everyday life than <laughs> people be like, can you help me set up my printer? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. I can't set up my own printer. Yeah. I don't know how to use my cell phone. Seriously, my shit is not a working driver. for three I months. I have no idea how to get this shit on my Wi-Fi network. It's not going to happen. Like there's... So, uh. so the fact that the kids are learning higher level stuff, probably more useful to them. I'm, I would say that it's a problem if no one knows lower level stuff, but everybody doesn't need to know it. Way, way fewer people need to know. Right, it. we can go to the mountain and talk to the oracle for that, right? Like that's when you the very, machine language. <laughs> very rarely do you have to talk to the oracle. Let's be real, right? Very, very specific situations. All right, before we we close up, any closing thoughts on on script keys in general? I mean, I, I know we've kind of beaten this horse to death, but anything we want to add before we close it up today? I just go go learn something. Go be a script kitty. Be a skid. It's fun on the skiddy side. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, uh, try to be less disdainful of other people's efforts because uh, probably you don't understand them. If you, you develop a culture of disdain for your enemy, they're going to keep beating you, right? Hmm. You disdaining them is not going to... Uh, force you to make yourself better because you think the person that's beating you is doing it unfairly, right? You so they're not only getting a cheap win, they're living in your head rent-free, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, well, let's go ahead and close this one up. We'll go back around the table, closing thoughts, parting shots. Uh, Loreen, you started us off today. Oh, no, I didn't even think about anything to say this week. Uh, this weekend I was at a get-together for Immunity folks. Uh, apparently AppGate is still using the name Immunity, but I would say that probably Immunity has been long dead. Um, but I got to hang out with a, a bunch of cool people who have spread out in the Immunity diaspora and find out what they're working on. That was super cool. Uh, I miss those guys. They're almost as cool as we are. So... 
Shout out to them. All right, my closing thought, I'll go ahead and go. I'm going to make a confession. I think I've only seen that word in writing, and I had no idea that it was diaspora instead of dysphoria. Like, I really had the emphasis on the diaspora. wrong syllable. Like yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Matt, parting shot, closing thought. To the adult from when I was in high school and I was at the science fair, and I had been taking a Turbo Pascal course just to firmly date my ass. Oh, and I took that too, yeah. to make it um, randomly draw rounded squares of different colors. And that was sort of my presentation. And this asshole was like, but what does it do? And I'm like, it draws squares. And he's like, how is that useful? And at the time... I didn't have an answer. Like I was like, well, it's not in, but oh, I got an answer. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, now I do like, like two months ago, I didn't know how to do anything. And now I'm drawing squares on a computer. Like <laughs> that's the, the usefulness is inherent in the intellectual capital that it builds. And I'm demonstrating that, that, you know, I can tell a computer to do what I want it to do. And look here, it's doing the thing that I wanted it to do. And also, and, have you ever used a piece of software that didn't feature a square on the screen? <laughs> <laughs> That's very useful. I mean, rounded corners in the 90s alone, that radius would have gotten you a job. <laughs> like, I was just saying, I was sitting here like getting re-angry about this from well, many decades ago now, as we were talking about people shitting on people as they were trying to learn stuff. I was like, you know what? that guy whoever that dude was i just want you to know i still think you suck yes <laughs> i'm sure he does i'm sure he does <laughs> also at some point we're gonna have to talk about my experience on um because recently that like, was windows 95's like seven zillionth anniversary or something it came up in twitter and uh we'll have to have a conversation about uh me working at comp usa the night windows 95 came out and how fucking crazy a midnight release of an operating system was. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, we'll have to do that on a future episode. Man, I totally remember passing around floppies with the Windows 95 beta on it to people. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Uh, I remember like getting Doom from the on floppies when, uh, it was when there was a new version. Maybe it was when Doom 2 was released. I can't remember. This would have been like 94-ish. How many floppies was, was it? Shareware, right? So like it was, uh, had to have been at least a dozen. Then it, it would was, have been Doom 2. Yeah, it was a lot of floppies. Yeah. There's no way stay up all night and copy floppies. those floppies. Copy the floppy. Copy the floppy. Were they, they five and a quarters or three and a half? They were three and a half. Yeah, it doesn't would have definitely been Doom 2 plus probably some wads. Yeah, there. it was, it was, I don't remember what, but it was, uh, we had to stay up all night copying those floppies just to, that was my first experience with like a late night game release. We went to Micro Center uh, to pick it up and uh, stayed up the rest of the night copying it for the crew. <laughs> God, how great was IPX? Like, for, for like, as long as you didn't want to connect more than like 20 people. Like, this is, like, over coax with the Terminator and everything? Yeah, but, like, it just worked. Like, there was no, yeah, like, true. it just, you, I ter, install IPX stack, connect computer on. Like, I'm like, I'll use your MAC address as your address. Is that okay? And you're like, I, I, I don't know. Sure, I don't know what a MAC address is. All right, we're all connected. <laughs> Play Doom. Play Diablo. 
play World of War, play not World of Warcraft, play Warcraft. Like it just IPX was so simple compared to like like oh well because back in the day, you know, young people, like your computer <laughs> didn't come with a TCP IP stack. I'm not sure how we've gotten into like old computer <laughs> time. Here. Oh, yeah, I remember. I was just thinking of Trumpet Winsock the other day, like yeah, the yeah, user yeah, 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 space yeah. TCP IP. Do you know what I did one day? Um, I was working as a consultant um, for a company, and I was learning about TCP IP in a book um, to help configure their shit. And so in the book, it said, call Aaron, and they'll give you an IP address. And so I called Aaron... (laughs) And it had the phone number in the book. So I called him. I'm like, yeah, I'm, at, uh, I'm in Maryland and I need uh, an IP address for this company. And they're like, we don't, that's not how this works anymore. You have to like have like an internet provider. You had to call. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry to bother you. <laughs> you wrote the book, dude. <laughs> oh, where the f*** this book came from? <laughs> also, for those of you who... Um, uh, who uh, are start getting started? Let me tell you a couple things because there was a, a string on Twitter, and, and we had a little bit of time on. on yeah, well, how, not, how we, have, we have all the time we want. So uh, there's a little string on Twitter on, about like the history of screwing up uh, in your job, and I'll tell you two things. One, um, at one point, I had opened a dozen bugs against the HTTP inspect preprocessor on Snort, and felt so bad for the developer of that preprocessor that I bought her a plant and took a little cactus over to her and said, look, I'm sorry, but I've been working on this and I've opened like a dozen bugs and they all, they all leave me things. Um, but the flip side of that is I also failed my first TCP IP exam um, as I was studying for, I think that was Novell Netware. And so don't let that shit trip you up. If you, if you fail your exam, get back up and go get it. And then the other thing I would say, I also wrote a snort rule that shut off YouTube for all snort users on the planet. <laughs> and so sometimes you just have a bad day and that's okay too. Don't let that ruin you. Get back up. <laughs> Keep going. Get out there and do it. Do it. You take another swing at it. <laughs> next time block Twitter. Hey, do we ever talk about what we're going to talk about next time on the show? What are we, we going to talk about next time? time? I don't know. I was going to have literally asking you. Oh, that was kind of a weird way to ask because it seemed like you might have like an idea. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm going to be up in uh, Maryland a couple times over the next like four weeks. So we'll probably have a lot to talk about. It'll be fun. Some shenanigans, some fun times, that kind of thing. Are you doing any traveling? Learning coming up? Any speaking? Anything going? Anything fun? Uh, I think I'm going to be in Maryland the start of November. I'm going to be Atlanta the next week in November, and then I'm going to hide from airplanes for a Wait, while. Wait, are you going to be in no, the Maryland the first week of November? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's the case. So we got a new employee starting. So. Oh, that'd be, we nice. may, we'll look at the schedule. That'd be really fun to do like uh, three of us together, like in-person podcast. We haven't done that in, well, a long time. We did that in Orlando once, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. We could haul on the new employee and be like, what's it like at Talos in the empty building for your first week? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how interesting it's going to be with nobody there to mess with them. but uh, There's going to be a 
few people there that week, I think. I think there's a couple things going on. So there probably will be uh, some folks in the office to meet and greet uh-huh. and, and things like that. have to make sure they mess with the new person then. Absolutely. I think that's like a skill we may have lost in the pandemic. We really need to like rehone that one. Yep, absolutely. It's not hazing if you like them, right? Uh, I mean, generally our shenanigans are uh, inclusive, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, it's not an us them thing. You know, no, you're brought into the group, not, not uh, forced out. All right, well, join us next time. Uh, we'll have some cool things to talk about. Hopefully, maybe we'll all be together in the same space and uh, talking to you that way. So that'd be a lot of fun. Till then, stay safe, stay secure, and cheers. Bye.